it's an amazing time of year, and, and maybe you're like me and you love the Christmas season. Christmas for us is, is, there's a lot of traditions and a lot of fun things that we do, and our son is coming home for Christmas. Elijah's going to be, be home on the 22nd, so we're excited about that, to have the whole family together. And Christmas means a lot of things to a lot of people, but oftentimes I, I think we find our focus kind of getting scattered this time of year. A lot of people are rushing to get gifts and get things done, and you got everything, you know, check, check all the things off the list. And for us as a, as a church, we wanted to really zero in on, on why this season is so important. And so this year, the theme of our, our Christmas season is simply Christmas. Simply Christmas. And you, you've seen some of the artwork, and, and we've, we've got our own little neighborhood put together up here that we're excited about. And, and it's important for us to pull back from all the craziness and all the chaos and all the noise and just remember why we celebrate Christmas, why we celebrate Jesus' entrance into the earth. And so as we give thought to this whole idea of Christmas and simplifying Christmas, we have to kind of press the pause button sometimes. And it means just pulling back from all the, the, the craziness. But for you, maybe Christmas represents something. Maybe there's a symbol or there's something that, that you kind of cling to this time of year. Maybe for you, it's family and, and friends coming together and, and being together and sharing traditions and um, giving and receiving gifts. I think the, the, whole, the old adage is it's better to receive than to give. Um, and so anything that you have um, that you might not have a good place for, I, I'll take those things off your hands. Um, I love gifts. No, but we, we, love to give, we love to give gifts. We love to give, give to, to, to one another and, and bless each other this time of year. And, and, and for some people, it's, it's the gifts. For some, it's food. Um, I am a semi-professional, at times even professional, eater. And so food is great this time of year. I love food. Thanksgiving and Christmas are highlights when it comes to the culinary aspects of my life. Um, and maybe you, you find yourself loving the food um, that exists in the holiday season. Or maybe you're like me, and you just like eggnog. Right? I mean, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful heavenly thing. It's like the next nectar of the, of the Lord. I love eggnog, and maybe that doesn't agree with you. It's, it's agreeing with me less, I'm finding. Um, I go with the cup about that big, and, and, and we call it good. But there's things that we kind of cling to in the Christmas season, the things that remind us of Christmas, symbols. And I think we have symbols in the church as well. And this Christmas, as we simplify things a little bit, we just kind of pull back from all the noise and the chaos and the craziness. I want to focus in on, on, on three things over the next week. And I've entitled the series over the next several weeks, A Star, a Savior, and a Stable. A star, Savior, and a Stable. You know, there's a lot of things in the church that represent Christmas. You know, maybe it's the shepherds, or maybe it's the magi, or uh, maybe it's the baby Jesus in the manger. You know, maybe it's the, the angels that, that, that showed up on the scene multiple times. For you, maybe there's something that represents Christmas. But as we kick off this conversation over the next three weeks, it's important for us to understand that those symbols cause us to pause and focus. 
And in a day, an age, and in a, in a year where it's been hard to focus, I think this is timely for us. You know, as we approach Christmas and the conclusion of the grand old year that we've referred to as 2020, I've seen a lot of different representations of 2020, some of them not so flattering. But everybody's got a feeling when it comes to 2020. I, I, I'm, I'm continually reminded this year that God is trying to get our attention. And I was sitting in a, in a, in a meeting with a bunch of pastors and, and, and a bunch of our Assemblies of God churches that were represented a, a few months ago. And we have a gentleman by the name of Choco de Jesus, and he is the treasurer of the Assemblies of God. So he works in Springfield and travels around. And he was here and he was encouraging us in this, in this meeting of pastors. It was a dream rally with the Oregon Ministry Network. Pastor Bill Wilson was, was down with us last week. Um, but it was a number of, of our pastors and our churches that had come together. And it was interesting. Choco had, had shared that at times, we can all remember those times when we were young and when we maybe had done something that wasn't quite in alignment with what our parents had, had wanted us to do. And you remember, you know, your, your parents call you in and, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is going to be a little too hit. A little too close to home for, for some young people in here. Your parents call you in and they, you know, they talk to you and then they say, I want you to go, I want you to go up to your room and I want you to think about what you did, right? And you kind of go, you know, go walking off and go spend, you know, if in Leah's case, about seven and a half minutes in your room, then come out and say, can I come out now? Am I okay? Am I okay? And then her brothers roll their eyes. But Choco had shared this, this kind of, really almost a vision that he had seen that God gave him. He said, you know, I feel like God in the year 2020 has kind of pulled us all together and said, you know what? I don't really like how you're behaving. Why don't you go to your room and why don't you think about it for a little while? And isn't it true we're in this season of this pandemic and lockdowns and freezes and social distancing and, you know, physical distancing and quarantining and, you know, this and that and the other thing. I think we've got more verbs than we've ever had before. And we've been in this year that I, I won't call unprecedented because I think all of us are ready for that just to be removed from the dictionary. But we've been in this season where we've had to kind of press the pause button on a lot of stuff. And I feel like God is saying, why don't you go and think about things? We've been given this crazy, weird season of time to step back and focus. You know, even as a, 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 as a church, I feel that God has called us back to this place of saying, where's your focus? What are you focused on? What are you doing? Because you can do a lot of great things in, in, in the church, within the church walls, but what is the vision? What is the focus of neighborhood church? And he's calling us back to that place of being a neighbor and loving people and reaching out to our community. It's interesting because 2,000 plus years ago, in a day and age where many were searching for a sign of the coming Messiah, why did so many people miss it? Why do you think that is? Everybody 
in the nation of Israel was clamoring for the Messiah, for the return of the Messiah had been prophesied hundreds of years before. And yet in the midst of all of that, they missed it. And I would wonder, as we consider the sign of the star and its role in Jesus' arrival on the scene, I wonder today, are there signs God is still using to usher in his promises in your life and mine? Is he trying to get our attention? Because I would contend that he is. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you that even in the midst of the craziness of this season, God, you are speaking to your people. You're calling us to step out in love. To remember that you first loved us. Scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died. Oh, that we would know the love that you gave us so freely. And that we would share that hope and that peace and that joy with the people that we come in contact with. I pray, God, as we focus in on the signs that you would give us of your promises today, that we would not lose sight of the fact that you are still king, you are still Lord. So speak to us today by your, your spirit, through your scripture. We thank you, God, for the time we were able to spend together. In Jesus' name, amen. The text that we're going to be looking at is a simple and familiar one uh, to many of you if you spend any time in the church. Over the next few weeks, uh, this passage will kind of launch us into our conversations. But Isaiah chapter 9 speaks of the prophecy of the arrival of the Savior. And if you have your Bibles, feel free to flip Flip with us, flip your device, do whatever you're doing. Um, we're, we also have all of our notes on the Version Bible app if you want to follow along uh, with the notes and the scriptures there. Uh, feel free to do that. But Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6, says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, when we approach Christmas this year, we probably are thinking about a lot of things, focusing on stuff, trying to get all the gifts checked off on the list. Uh, Letha was here in the first service, but she had posted a Facebook picture of her with just this mountain of gifts around her. And I was a little bit jealous because it was like November like 30th or something like that. And she had already done all the Christmas shopping for her entire family and her kids and her grandkids and her grandkids' kids. And, and I was like, what? How, how, do you, how do you do that? But maybe you're feverishly trying to check everything off the list. And you're a little bit stressed out and a little bit concerned about what's going on. But as we approach Christmas, we've got so many things that are flying at us. I would ask you, where is your focus this year? Where is your focus in December of 2020? 
Because as we talk about the star today, the star really represents a sign. It represented a sign of Jesus coming, of the Messiah coming. And it's interesting because just over 2,000 years ago, this star showed up in the sky and got people's attention, and, and you know, the Magi followed the star to find this Messiah, this king they had heard so much about. And interestingly enough, I was reading in an article in the CBN News, and it said this, later this month, you can witness a rare event in the night sky that has not been seen in almost eight centuries. The two largest planets in our solar system, Jupiter and Saturn, will align on December 21st to create what's sometimes referred to as the Christmas star or the star of Bethlehem. When the planets line up on the day marking the start of the winter solstice, they will appear to form a double planet. It's a rare event and one that hasn't been seen since the Middle Ages, according to Forbes.com. But in reality, the planets won't be close at all. It will just look like that to viewers on Earth. So here we are 2,000 years later, and the Christmas star is showing up again. Don't you find it interesting that in a season of craziness, in a place where everybody's kind of running all over the place and people are ticked off about masks and people are frustrated and confused and there's chaos and there's worry and there's heartbreak as people lose loved ones and, and people struggle with the mandates and the directives and the isn't it interesting that the Christmas star or these, the alignment of these planets is showing up yet again? I just find that timing to be quite amazing. And in a day and age where people were waiting for the Messiah, everybody seemingly missed it, save a handful of people. You know, there's much to consider in regard to the sign of the star and its role in Jesus' coming, signifying the coming of the Messiah. And I would just say that God is still using signs to usher in his promises in your life and in mine. And there's a few things I think we need to consider as we discuss this today when we talk about the signs of God. First thing is this, the signs of God are rarely anticipated or expected. God's signs are rarely show up on the scene when we most expect them to. It's not typically when you're praying to God for something that the sky opens up and plop, it just kind of falls in your lap and you're like, well, that was cool. Name it, claim it, and boom, there it is. That's not really how things work. God's not our short order cook where we just kind of say, I think I want some peace and joy, you know, with a side of, you know, just excitement. And too often we find ourselves searching desperately, focusing on all the wrong things. And God is desiring that we would come back to the knowledge and the understanding that he is who he says he is. 
I find it interesting that God chose to send his son to the earth in a time in history where everyone seemingly had been inconvenienced. Does it sound a little bit familiar? Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. You know, it's a passage of Scripture that we oftentimes just kind of gloss over when it comes to the birth of Jesus, right? You know, in those days, Caesar, when, you know, you, you think about you, the J, James Earl Jones, you know, narrator voice, and, you know, in those days. And we just kind of gloss over the fact that everyone in the entire Roman world was inconvenienced. Because they had been told, effectively, wherever you were born, you need to now return to. And so whatever you're doing, stop. Wherever you call home or wherever you, 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 you have your livelihood, we don't care. You need to go back to your place of origin. And for many, including Mary and Joseph, that was a very untimely and inconvenient proposition. We know the ramifications. Can't imagine it was all that convenient or popular for not just Mary and Joseph, but for anybody. And it makes me think a little bit about this year with some of the more unpopular and difficult things that people have been asked to do. Stay home. Social distance. Stay away from your families. Don't get together. Don't gather for Christmas. Don't give gifts. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we find ourselves inconvenienced and frustrated. And sometimes, just sometimes, maybe we think this is the first time in history that anybody's been asked to do something this, this crazy and ridiculous. And people are bound by fear, and people are struggling with the realities of this pandemic and this virus. And for some, it's a big, fat inconvenience. For others, it is a source of stress and worry and heartbreak. And yet we find ourselves in this place where there's much to be concerned with. You know, when Mary and Joseph were asked to go back to their place of origin, I would imagine there was a lot that they had to give up. Most theologians estimate that the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem was in essence 80 to 90 miles, which doesn't seem like a lot for us. Just jump in the car, just drive up the freeway, and, you know, pop off at any exits to get some snacks and maybe a soda. All's well. Just going out to Bethlehem. But for them, I think this represented a pretty difficult, probably at times treacherous journey. If you think about most people could travel about 10 miles a day. This journey for them took 9 to 10 days, many scholars believe. And let's not forget that it probably wasn't a real 
Simple, easy journey. Jump in the car, throw it on cruise control, and go. No, we understand. This was a different time. And that the journey was probably difficult. Most scholars believe that there was a donkey and that, you know, Joseph, we see all the, the little cute images of Joseph leading the donkey and Mary up there great with child. And, you know, it was just, you know, it's just great. We love this pretty picture of Christmas. We all just kind of go, oh. And yet, if you think about it, that journey was probably brutal for Mary and Joseph. I'm sure they encountered things that they didn't want to encounter. I'm sure the weather was probably not optimal. Many believe that it was around this winter solstice time. There's differing opinions and beliefs on when Christ actually entered the earth, but many believe it was around this time of year, probably not right on December 25th, like we celebrate. But if you can imagine that the, the, the climate even was probably extreme, where it was maybe a little bit warmer during the day, but very cold at night. And it was probably a very taxing journey with very difficult conditions. And maybe you find yourself kind of in that place right now where life's been pretty tough. There's many who have lost jobs, who've been furloughed, who've lost livelihood. I think many of us are probably wondering when we can stop looking like the winter soldier out there. I know it's a burden I carry every day. But there's many who are struggling through this season. And, and you know, as we hear of, of, of friends and loved ones who have lost family members, yes, this has been a struggle, and yes, it's been inconvenient, but it also is hitting people. And it is hitting home. And so maybe you find yourself in that place where you just don't even know what end is up and you, you kind of find yourself saying, God, where are you? It's Christmas, but it sure doesn't feel like it. We find our focus on everything else but Jesus. Because Christmas should be a time of great expectation. It should be a time of celebration. It should be a time of togetherness. Families come together, gifts exchanged. Mary and Joseph ex ex were excited and anticipating the birth of, of, their, of their child, the birth of the Messiah. But we often see Jesus entering into the world as this clean, sanitary, wonderful little experience. You know, the wonderful depiction of the the manger, and there's this glowing behind it, and it's all wonderful. We want to put our little nativities out in the, you know, the yard. It was a difficult journey, and, and, and Mary and Joseph had to drop everything. Joseph had a job. Joseph had a livelihood. And he had to leave. They both had family. They had to leave their family. Some of us are struggling because we can't be with family this time of year. Oh, and maybe we, we shouldn't forget Mary was pregnant. So it was that little detail. So here's Mary and Joseph set to give birth to the Savior alone with only a donkey and maybe some sheep and a chicken to attend to her. 
That'd be an exciting, you know? Yeah, the goat over there is going to be the OBGYN because I'm Joseph and I'm going to pass out at any moment here. Yet this is what God ordained. This is the time in history when God said, it is right and good for my son to enter the earth. This moment. For the king of kings, the prince of peace, his only son to enter the earth. That moment. And you may not think anything good can come out of 2020. You've maybe just kind of said, when we hit the 31st, I'm just going to kind of hit delete on that whole season. But I would contend that this may be the season that God is using to get your attention and move you toward his promises. It was ours. I'll just be completely honest with you. In all of my dreams and, and, and you know, my mind's eye of what I thought God would kind of orchestrate for Gretchen and I to step into a lead pastorate in a church, I'm just going to tell you, this kind of a process was not really what we had in mind. Like, hey, let's start the year doing one thing, throwing a global pandemic where everybody locks down and goes home, and then, then let's talk about leaving what we're doing and go take over a church. That sounds like a perfect Kind of like, like, like that makes total sense on a flowchart. And yet this is the season that God chose to call us back to neighborhood church. Call us back to a community that we love. To tell us to step out and to trust him. And there have been some joy-filled days, most of the days. And then there's been those days when we've been like, oh my gosh, what's going on? But this was the season. The signs of God are rarely anticipated or expected, and they come at weird and unusual times. And the sign of Jesus' entrance into the earth was definitely not expected. The second thing we need to be considering today is the signs of God require us to change our focus. The signs of God require us to change our focus. They require us to take our eyes off of all the crazy stuff that's going on and, and tune into what God is doing. It requires us to pull back and take stock of what's happening in our lives. You know, have you ever, have you ever watched your kids play sports? Some of you in here, you've done that. Maybe you're a kid and you've had your parents watch you play sports or play a musical instrument or, or you know, be involved in a drama or, or something. For some young ladies, maybe cheer or basketball or, you know, whatever. But I remember as a kid, my dad was always great, you know, and I played football and basketball, and he'd just kind of come and, hey, I'm proud of you, and you did great, da, 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 da. stop yelling at the refs, that sort of thing. 
But I struggled, not going to lie, when, when our kids were young. Um, it was not easy for me to just kind of let go and let God, for, for lack of a better term. You know, they'd do their thing, and Elijah would, you know, Elijah would swim, and he'd be doing all, all this stuff, and, and he'd get done, and he'd get out. And we'd be like, hey, great job, buddy. Um, you did awesome. Hey, maybe if you, like, kind of crank up your, your turnover and speed up your turnover a little bit, it'll help you go faster. And he'd be like, okay. So sooner or later, we'd, we'd, we'd stop you know, giving him feedback. And inevitably, you need to have that, that situation where you'd be like, hey, if you do this, I think it's going to be better. And then he'd go over and his coach is about seven feet from you. And he'd be like, hey, if you just crank up your turnover a little bit, you're going to go faster. And you're like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I just, I just said that. <laughs> but I would say sometimes we live our lives the same way. We function in that same way. We ignore the signs around us until something gets our attention. Whether it be a star, whether it be a job change, whether it be a shortcoming, whether it be a tragic event or a tragic loss of somebody that we love. Sometimes it takes something to get our focus back where it needs to be. It's crazy. We're not alone in this. I'll tell you that. We can look throughout Scripture and find plenty of people who struggled to keep their focus where it needed to be. Look at Jonah. Guy needed to get swallowed by a fish. Some people think it's a whale. Some people think it's a big fish. Regardless, Jonah got sucked up by something in the ocean, and I think it was probably not a great day. I think that probably got his attention. But he was going the absolute opposite direction. God says, go to Nineveh. No, I think I'm going to go to Tarshish. It's going to go this way. Not into that. I don't want to die. Thank you. Moses, wandering around the desert, hanging out with some distant family. And God lights a bush on fire, doesn't consume itself, and then he speaks to Moses out of the bush. Probably stopped Moses in his tracks, I would imagine. Paul, who at that time was Saul, gets knocked off his horse and struck blind. Probably got his attention, particularly when God spoke to him and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then we look at Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, and the magi. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and the account of Jesus' entrance into the earth says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Believe it or not, when the angel showed up, Mary was greatly troubled. Can't imagine why. 
The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Another translation says, For nothing is impossible for God. The signs of God have a tendency to stop us in our tracks. They have a tendency to, to kind of cause us to go, whoa, hang on a sec. What's going on? And this may be one of those seasons. My question is, where is the Spirit of God trying to get your attention? Where has your focus been this year? And maybe do we need to get back on track? Here's the reality, church. The devil doesn't need to bring a tax to your doorstep as long as you're distracted. He doesn't need to attack you. He just wants you to be distracted from the thing that God has desired to do in and through your life. God has created every one of us with a plan and a purpose. And if we stop and cease to be in lockstep with his plan and purpose, the devil doesn't care. Oh, Dan, he's off, he's off doing the Lord knows what. I don't need to worry about him. Maybe, just maybe this shutdown has been allowed to happen so that we would really begin to focus in on God's command to love people. I'm hearing way too many messages these days mostly from people in the church, mostly from people who call themselves Christ followers. The end is near. It's the end times. Oh my gosh, hunker down. When we see in Scripture God's command for us to be ready, do you think it means hunker down, go into your little, your little Bible bunker and don't come out because you don't want to get any, any of the sin on you? That's not what God desired for us. That is certainly not what God is desiring for, for this Christmas season. That our confession would be, everybody's going to hell in a handbasket, and everybody should just duck and cover. Those of us who are sanctified, whew, good on us. Because God sent his son to this earth for everyone. Everyone. The love of Jesus Christ is for you and for me and for everyone. It is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes would not perish 
but of everlasting life. Whoever. You are a whosoever. I am a whosoever. The person that you pass in the aisle at the grocery store is a whosoever. And if your confession to them is, turn or burn, and you better get right, because it's going to get real bad for you. You think people aren't already experiencing bad? I've never seen so much hopelessness, so much division in the church. Yay! Masks! No masks! And we're, lo- we're losing sight of the fact that God has called us to love people. That God in his very essence is love. The people that Jesus hung out with were not the people that he was supposed to be hanging out with. We've got to understand that the signs of God require us to change our focus from what we're used to centering our focus on. Because he's doing something. He's desiring to do something through each and every one of us. Final thing is this. The signs of God require obedient action. Require us to do something. Why is it that we don't just walk in obedience in our lives? Why can't we just read Scripture and God says this and then we do it? But too often we have to go, oh, i just got to try this and I want to do that. And No, God said, love God, love people. Not jump up on your soapbox and smack people over the head and tell them, you know, that they're horrible. But by the way, you can come into our church and it's going to be great. I love people. Jesus loved the people that nobody else loved. You know what? You want to know the people that, that Jesus ticked off? The religious elite and his disciples. <laughs> that was about it. Jesus frustrated the religious elite who were following a, 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 a law that has, was being fulfilled by Jesus, and he ticked off his followers because he inconvenienced them. Because everywhere he went, somebody wanted something from him. And instead of just continuing to go on with the agenda and the, the, the calendar and the plan for the day, okay, Jesus, we're going to go over here to the temple, and then after that, we're going to go over here, and we're going to dine with some of the religious leaders. We're going to have some wonderful discourse. And then they'd be walking down the street, and Jesus would be like, Zacchaeus, hey, I want to go to your house today for lunch. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's a, that's a hard no on Zacchaeus. People don't like him. He's a thief. He's a jerk. Let's do something else. There's a Chick-fil-A right up the street. They're closed on Sundays, but they're open today. And their chicken is sanctified. Jesus was constantly frustrating people. Standing there and he gets done teaching and everybody's tired and everybody's hungry and he, the disciples are like, send them home. They need to go eat something. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're starving. They're all hangry. Jesus is like, no, you feed them. Can you imagine being his disciples? What do you mean feed them? What do I look like, a caterer? Jesus says, feed them. Sit them down. Let's feed them. 
We have to walk in obedience, but we test the will of God. We doubt his plan and his purpose for our lives. We get distracted by our own agendas and our own priorities and the things that we think are oh so important. John 4, verse 48 says, Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Unless you see a sign and wonder, you won't believe. The Bible says the things of the Spirit are foolishness to those who are not believing. Gospel doesn't make sense to people. So it has to be lived out. It has to be exemplified. It has to be shown. And we're often waiting for a sign, the sky opening up, and the voice of God shouting down. The reality is God is desiring that we would just trust him, that we would just walk in obedience. But he understands that we struggle in our belief. He understands that we struggle to obey at times. So he encourages us, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He has a plan and a purpose, and it's perfect, by the way. But it means that we have to step out. And it means that we have to trust him even when we don't understand. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can we just step back and remember, he's God, I'm not, maybe I should just trust? Think about the signs that were given leading up to and surrounding Jesus' birth. Prophecy from Isaiah. Telling of the coming Messiah. By the way, 700 years prior to actually it happening. Angel appears to Mary. Angel appears to Joseph. Angels appear to the shepherds. The star leads the magi. Can you imagine if any one of those things had not been followed by obedience? I don't know if the, if, if the Mary thing was optional. Like, hey, you are going to become pregnant you know, by the, by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And I don't know if there was a, like a, a yes or no, like where Mary could be like, ah, yeah, that sounds complicated. And I'm thinking maybe no on that. I don't know if she had a choice, but I can tell you what, Joseph had a choice. Shepherds had a choice. Joseph could have divorced her and, and moved on. The Magi had a choice. Imagine if one of those things would have not happened. Imagine if God is trying to show you something and we don't walk in obedience. This season, where is God trying to get your attention and asking you to obey him? As the worship team comes and as we prepare to close, I came across this quote the other day and I thought it was interesting. It says, A thousand times in history, a baby has become a king. But only once in history did a king become a baby. 
Jesus literally gave up everything. Jesus gave up his kingship. He gave up his authority. He gave up his place in heaven to come to this earth, to be born of a woman, to grow up, to live a perfect life, to die a shameful death on the cross for you and for me, and then to be raised again on the third day. Jesus didn't say no. Jesus knew his purpose, as complicated and crazy as it was. And I'm here to tell you that God's plan and purpose hasn't changed. For God so loved the world that he gave. And what is God calling us to do in the name of love today? Where is he challenging you to step out and to step up? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we thank you that no matter where we're at in our journey, no matter what we're facing in life, no matter what we've experienced over the last year, you are calling us back to yourself. You are calling us back to a place of obedience, to step out and to love people. God, I thank you that no matter what we have been worried about and concerned with. You're calling us to simply just trust you and to remember that you loved us first so that we could love other people, so that we could show people the love of Christ. I pray that you give us the courage today to step back, to take stock. Pray that you would give us the ability not to get distracted by all the things and the stuff that's going on in life. God, that we would stay laser-focused on what you're desiring and the people that we're passing by who you want us to, to love and care for and bless. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for sending your son. This year as we approach Christmas, while it's been a crazy, confusing, frustrating, exhausting, and for many, a heartbreaking year, we've got to remember that the signs of God are rarely anticipated. They require that we change our focus to looking at all the crazy, chaotic stuff that's going on in front of us and to lift our focus up. Why a star? Because it caused people to look up. The signs of God challenge us to walk in obedience and to act in love. Maybe you find yourself this morning having not stepped into relationship with Jesus Christ and you're desiring that. I want to encourage you today, if you have struggled through this year and peace has been elusive, and joy is, is a distant memory, and you really just want to make it through the next few weeks so you can start afresh in a new year, God is saying to you, I sent my son for you. 
and he's desiring to step into relationship with you. He loves you. So this morning, we're going to give you the opportunity to make the decision to step into relationship with Jesus, to follow him with your whole heart. We don't want to embarrass anybody or single anyone out. This morning, if you're here in the house or you're tuning in with us online, I'd encourage you to say this prayer. And if you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. Scripture says you will be saved. Church, can we say this together? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change in me the things I can't change as I commit my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's the greatest decision that you can make, and we celebrate with you today. If you made that decision, we want to hear from you. We'd ask you to reach out, email us, info at albanyncy.org. We want to get some resources in your hand. We want to bless you and walk with you as you take that journey in your new relationship with Christ. Church, as you prepare to leave today, we want you to know that our prayer team is available for you at the back of the worship center. If you'd like somebody to agree with you in prayer today, I want you to know um, we're here. Um, also, you can submit your prayer needs on a connection card and deposit them in the, uh, the receptacle out there. We're excited for what God has in store for you this week as we continue to remain focused on what God is desiring to do in and through our lives. We would just encourage you, encourage you to walk in joy, walk in love, walk in peace. And this week, as we continue to do what God is calling us to do, church, let's be the neighborhood. 